0: The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everyone. You'll have to forgive me as I get used to this face mic. I'm going to be grabbing it a lot. It, it makes me feel like I'm a member of the Backstreet Boys or in sync or something, which to me is a nightmare, by the way. But um, I welcome you here this morning, and um, I just want to say if this is your first time with us this morning, um, I'm not Pastor Matt, um, just as Kevin alluded to. The difference between Pat and, or Pat, and between Matt and I, it's kind of like the movie Twins, if you've ever seen it. In that movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito find out that they're brothers. They end up going in to this uh, scientific laboratory where they were kind of created, I guess, in the test tube. And um, Danny DeVito ends up finding out that all the really good genes from mom and dad, they went to create Arnold. And then there were a few leftover scraps, so they went ahead and made Danny DeVito. Well, that's me this morning. So, but I can promise you this: the next week, Matt Schwarzenegger, he'll be back. So, isn't that isn't that bad? You know what's sad is that's the best impersonation of Arnold Schwarzenegger I do. It sounds more like Arnold from different strokes. I don't know, but it's bad. I welcome you here today, though, and uh, I really want to say that the message that we're going to be going over today, it's going to be a difficult message. Um, It's not difficult because it's tough to ascertain what it is that God tells us in the Bible about this particular topic, but it's tough because of the weight and the gravity of it. The title of the message this morning is The Gift of Suffering. I know when you hear that, you instantly want to put a wall up. For me, it's almost like uh, that Christmas gift that you tell your kids, don't open it. We're re-gifting that. That's going to Aunt Trudy. But my hope is this morning that we are able to get a new perspective over suffering, and we'll see what it is that the Bible talks about in terms of suffering. Now, with that title, The Gift of Suffering, the, the verse that I pulled that from is from the book of Philippians. It's the first chapter, verse 29. And this, uh, this book, if there was a meta theme, if there was an overarching theme of the book, it's joy through trial. And in verse, verse 29, like I mentioned, Paul says this. He says, for it has been granted, or it's been allowed, or it's been gifted unto you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Now that's a tough place to get to in life. The Apostle Paul, I, I, I'm almost a Paulist man. I love the Apostle Paul. He's an amazing guy, and he's able to get to that point in life to where he's even looking at suffering as a gift from God. So hopefully we can get there this morning. Um, I don't know if you were sold the idea when you came to Christ that the Christian walk is is kind of like your You're walking down this drab, dreary road, and all of a sudden, Jesus Rockstar pulls up in his white stretch limo and invites you in. And at that point, life turns beautiful. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. Um, It becomes the easy life. Jesus is basically a means to get whatever you want. Um, So once you jump in the limo, you're like, Jesus, I really like it. It's 68 degrees. He says, it is good. Instantly, 68 degrees in the limo. Like Jesus, there's a dog hurt over there on the side of the road. Could you, he already knows what you're going to say. It is good. He heals the dog. You go a little further, Jesus, there's a cat on the side of the road. He already knows what you're thinking. He hits the gas and swerves because Jesus doesn't like cats, right? But we come to find out pretty quickly that the Christian walk isn't anything like that. That a better analogy would be that Jesus pulled up in a tank, And he—he's not even driving the tank. He's more like a driver's ed teacher. He puts you in the in the driver's seat, and he's got his wheel over there, and his gas, and his brake, just in case you really mess up. But really, he wants you to drive this thing yourself. That the point of all that he takes us through is to get us equipped for life, and we're gonna find out some of those things this morning. Jesus, I love him. He pulls no punches. Um, one of the last meetings that he has, the last meeting that he has with his disciples in the upper room, it's recorded in, in John 14 through 17. It's called the Upper Room Discourse, but he speaks about the, the topic of suffering. And listen to what he tells his disciples. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In other words, Jesus says, You were, at, you were in a war, you were in a war with God. But we've been made to have peace with God now through the reconciliation of Jesus Christ on the cross. We're no longer at war with God. But he goes on to say, in me you'll have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So the first point we want to make sure we get to tonight is that in this life, trials are absolutely guaranteed. Um, Our... Our main scripture reading tonight is going to come from Daniel chapter 3. And um, if anybody went through a fiery trial, ordeal, whatever you want to call it, it's Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'd like for you to turn to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 19 through 25. As you're flipping there, I want to kind of build the context to what's going on. Like I said, Daniel had these three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, there's a king over Babylon at this time. His name's Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar has just completed this gold statue, and he wants the entire nation to bow down and worship. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they are actually in a kind of a prominent place within the kingdom because God had done some pretty amazing things already through Daniel. And so Nebuchadnezzar liked these guys, but some of his advisors, his entourage, if you will, come to him after this point of um, appointed time to worship and say, hey, there were three Jewish men that did not bow down and worship. And Nebuchadnezzar, he calls in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he's like, I've heard I've heard you're not worshiping. Um, I'm going to give you the opportunity now to worship, and if you don't, I'm going to throw you into this blazing, fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer him, and they say, Our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 19 now. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, Trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire he replied, "Certainly, Your Majesty." He said, "Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods." Now this is speaking from Nebuchadnezzar's uh, kind of pagan worldview. He looks like a son of the gods. We know what that is, but before I even get there, I want to point out that there's really two great truths that we learn from this Old Testament example that get carried into the New Testament. And the first one is the most obvious where he says that I see four men walking around and one looks like the son of the gods. We know who that is. That was Jesus Christ, a pre-incarnate appearance in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ. Theologians call this a Christophany. And I find it very, very interesting that one of the times that Jesus decides to make himself known, to make himself appear in the Old Testament is a time of great trial and suffering. He involves himself intimately within that fire. So that's one point that we can pull from this story. But there's a second as well, and it's not quite as obvious. As you you read through it, um, part of King Nebuchadnezzar's amazement wasn't just that there was a fourth man in there, but what was it? He said, weren't there three men in there that we tied up and threw into the fire? Look, I see four men walking around unbound and unharmed. And this presents the second thing that happens to us within a trial. The fire didn't just not burn Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It burned something. But what it burned was the things that were holding them back, the things that were held them bound. See, God allows us to go through those fires sometimes. He promises to be with us in them. But he has us go through them also, that the things that are holding us back, that we'll be set free from them. I find that to be a, a beautiful thing about the trials that God sends us through. So the second point that we want to hit tonight is not only do the uh, trials not only are trials guaranteed, but they're designed for a purpose, and that purpose is to transform us. Maybe no one said it better than James in James chapter one, verse two. James is the brother of Jesus, and he's speaking to a, a Jewish. Context that had been spread across the world and they were going through great suffering. Listen to what he said. He said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers. In other just to stop right there, notice he did not say it is pure joy or what you're going through is a joyful experience. He says, Put it into your account or consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Notice he doesn't say if you face trials of any kind whenever. They are guaranteed. We've we've talked about that. But you ask, why, James? He says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Your Bible might say patience, might say maturity, completeness. But the fact is that God's having us walk through those for that very purpose, that they're developing something within us. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I don't know if uh, Matt mentioned this in the first three service or the first service and the third service. I know he mentioned it in the second one because I was in there, but he he kind of threw me under the bus, and I'm here to clear the record. But he asked in that service, um, "Is there anyone in here that has stabbed themselves?" And I was like, "Oh man!" I kind of give the T-Rex hand. I didn't really want to raise it very high, and I think he caught on to me because after that, he's like, "Is there anybody that shot himself?" And I'm like, no, no, I haven't shot myself. And he's like, Trin, you've got to raise your hand, buddy. We know you shot yourself with a bow and arrow. Now, I'm here to clear the record. I did not shoot myself with a bow and arrow. I mean, let's be honest. When you heard that, if you heard that, what you, you thought, what kind of an idiot could shoot? I mean, is that even physically possible <laughs> to shoot yourself with a bow? I didn't shoot myself with a bow. I merely stabbed myself with an arrow. That's it. <laughs> You guys are a disturbing group laughing at that. (laughs) Let me tell you the story. Now, it was two years ago this weekend. I remember it very vividly because it was Thanksgiving weekend and the the weather was warm just like it is. It was beautiful. And I decided to go hunt before uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Now I like I said, it was so hot that the the camouflage pants that I was wearing, they were very thin. So I, I go out there, hunt, come back. And I'm just kind of casually taking everything apart, taking the arrows out of the quiver, putting it in the case. The last one, I just kind of spin in my hand and go to stick it inside. And sure enough, right into my leg. Now, I knew I met a little resistance, so I, I knew I went in a little bit, plus there was a little hole in my pants, and I was thinking, oh, man, this, this, this might not be good. This, this is probably bad. So I go inside the house. I'm kind of waddling in there, and uh, everybody's like, well... Did you see anything? Was the hunt good? I was like, oh, it was lovely. I mean, the, the deer, I saw a few. It was too late to shoot them, but it was nice. And I kind of stabbed myself. but And instantly, you see, my wife, if you know her, she kind of has operates in two different modes one, peaceful, joyful, loving, caring. The other one is mega freak out mode. And instantly that dial switches to mega freak-out mode. She's like, are you okay? Do we need to go to the doctor? Do we need to get to the hospital? I'm like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. There's not even any blood. I look down, and a nice little bit of blood had accumulated on my pants at this time. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got to check this out. I've got to see how bad it is. So I'm not going to disrobe in front of the family and bring myself shame. So I'm like, all right, I've I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm waddling in there to the bathroom and disrobe, as it were, and uh, look down. And sure enough, I would got myself. Now, I don't know what happened, but about two years prior to this, I don't know if I developed wussitis. I don't know exactly what it is, but I have this tendency. I I mean, I can break fingers. I can smash fingers. I've got one now. I can gush large amounts of blood, and I'm cool. It's fine. But if I puncture wound myself and I can kind of see in there, instantly I pass out. (laughs) And I I look at it, and sure enough, I can kind of see inside my leg just a little bit. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. And instantly, stars start going off. And I'm like, okay, i got to lay down in this bathroom or this is going to get ugly quick. So I lay down in the bathroom. Next thing I know, I wake up. My wife's over me, and she's still in ultra freak-out mode. Just, you okay, Are you okay? I glance over at my dad. He's laughing hysterically. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was really proud of his boy at this time. And sure enough, stepmom, sister, brother, they were all there staring at the kid in his underwear in, on the bathroom floor with what looked like a paper cut on his leg. So I'm here to clear the record that I did not shoot myself. I merely stabbed myself. But the reason I bring that story up is this last part of James here. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I think we have a tendency in the body of Christ When we suffer just that small, little, spiritual um, paper cut, if you will, that we instantly want to tap out. We want to say, Lord, the pressure is too great. I'm suffering under the weight of this. Please release me from this great thing. And what James is telling us here is, no, you're coming at it from the wrong attitude. Let this do its intended work because it's producing something within us. It's changing us in a way. And you might ask, well, Trin, that's great. Well, what's the end result? What's it doing to me? What am I supposed to look like here? The answer comes in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And if you've ever suffered with anything and you talk to a pastor about it, I guarantee you we pulled out that Romans 28 card and uh, it's like our ace card and told you all about the suffering and what God's doing. I think the tragic thing is a lot of times we miss the next verse and we don't mention it. And I think it's the greater verse. But listen to what it says. Paul is speaking here, and he says, And we know that in all things, not some things, not just the good things, not just the bad things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In other words, no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is, God is going to use those in some way. If you love him and if you're following him, he's going to work that to good in some way. But here comes the 29th verse. And like I said, this is, this is the great verse because it tells us the answer. It says, for those who God foreknew. In other words, for God dwelling in eternity, was able to look out across all time and see those who would accept faith in Christ. He said, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined or he predetermined for them to be conformed to the image of his son. And that is the purpose that is the end result of why we're going through these things. That the very nature and the very character of God that they may be develop that it may be developed within these human finite bodies. Now, probably about five years ago, um, I was teaching my daughter to ride a bike, and um, man, I was just wanting her to love bike riding. I wanted to go on bike rides with her, and I was thinking, man. All right, I'm just going to send her down the driveway because the driveway is pretty steep. And I'm like, she'll be going fast. It's going to be awesome. So I wrap her up in her Barbie knee pad. She's got her Barbie elbow pads on, huge Barbie helmet. And I'm like, all right, baby, come to daddy. And uh, she starts flying down the hill. And that's only like 15, 20 feet. But anyway, she's flying down it. And I notice something really quick that she's looking... Down at the concrete, and her hands are doing this on the handlebars. So that bike is rocking up on two legs, up on two legs. I mean, she looks like a bobblehead coming down this thing with that big old helmet on. And I catch her, I say, Sweetie, it is absolutely imperative that you keep your eyes on me. You have got to watch where you're going. You can't look down. Watch where you're going instantly. And the Holy Spirit gave me Hebrews 12, verse 2 and 3. He was teaching me a lesson about driving through life that, that morning. Listen to what it says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. In other words, let us keep our eyes upon him, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him, church, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. So our third point tonight that we want to get to is that we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's our example in the trial. And what I mean by he's our example in the trial is that he was able to endure great, great suffering. How? What did that verse just say? For the joy that was set before him. Matt mentioned this verse a couple of weeks ago. And he asked the question. Well what was that joy that was set before Jesus. That he was able to go through the cross. And most of us answered. Well it was us. And that's right. God, Jesus was able to go through that immense pain. The beatings. The lashings. All of it. Because he knew that he was bringing many sons and daughters to glory. He was reconciling a lost world back to himself. And he was able to go through that immense pain for that very reason. To me, that begs the question then, well, if Jesus did things for the joy set before him, then what's the joy that's set before me that I might endure my cross, that I might endure these sufferings that I'm going through? I think the answer from that comes back from Philippians. Now, remember, Philippians met a theme, joy through trial, well, this section I'm about to read, Paul is talking about um, reaching his goals in life, becoming all that Christ has called him to be, not only called him to be, but ask him to do. And listen to Paul's heart here. He says, I love his humility, because if anybody had been conformed to the image of Christ, if anybody had reached their goals, you'd think, man, it's Paul. But listen to his humility. He said, not that I've already obtained all this, or, if, or not that I've already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining forward to what's ahead. And we get a beautiful word picture of what it means to strain forward in the Greek here. If you've ever seen like a photo finish on like a 100-yard dash or something at the Olympics, and you see all those men just about to cross that line, and you see the desperation in their face, their skin hanging off of them as they reach every fiber of muscle in their body, straining forward, reaching for that goal, trying to cross it first. That's the picture that Paul's given us here about his walk with Christ, that he has given absolutely everything, pushing, straining, reaching for what lies ahead. It's so easy, guys, to get callous to God through trials. But I tell you what, Paul saying this, man, it convicts me. It convicts me because Paul didn't run his life like this. He wasn't on fire like this for five years. Paul wasn't on fire for Christ like this for 15 years. He was on fire like this from the moment Christ found him on the Damascus Road until the moment he departed to be with the Lord. He ran his race, and he ran it to the fullest Man, I have to ask myself, Paul, what was your fuel, man? What was what was going on in your heart that you had the ability to run this feverishly towards our God? What was it? I think the answer for that question comes into the from the verse right before what I just read. It's verse 10. Listen to what Paul says. This verse is so easy to pass by. But he says, "I want to know Christ." Now, I talk to the youth all the time about this, that this word know in the Greek, this isn't just some passing understanding. This isn't just some, I want to know a couple of cool facts about Jesus. I I want to get to know him just a little bit. This is talking about a deep, deep, intimate understanding. This word to know in the Greek is the same word that's used to talk about sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. He's talking about knowing Christ the deepest deepest of levels, soul laid bare. But listen to the turn that he takes after this, how he defines him knowing Christ. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And who of us here don't want to see God do amazing things through us? Any of us who have seen God at some time in the past do something through us, it becomes an intoxicating drink. And you just want God to constantly use you, and it provides part of that fuel. But listen to the next part. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. Man, that blows me away. Listen to the heart of Paul as he says, I want to know Christ so well that I'm even willing to participate in his sufferings. See, Paul had got to that place in life, like I mentioned, to where he even looked at the sufferings that he went through as a great opportunity to get to know this God that he served even more. The participation in his sufferings. He even goes on to say, and become like him in his death. Listen, I know that some of you guys are going through, as Matt called it, the darkest moments of the human soul, that I can't even... Begin to imagine what you're going through. And, and I think that's part of what Paul's saying here. I don't think you can truly get to know someone unless you've walked in their shoes. Let's take the example of, say you want to see what it's like to live in the Middle East or in a third world country. And, uh, man, you could read a lot of books about it. You can interview a lot of people. But if you truly want to know what it's like, you're going to have to move to a third world country and invest yourself in it. And that's what Paul's saying. I want to know I'm so bad. I'm willing to walk in his shoes. Now I know some of you guys are going through, like I said, some terrible, terrible things. And I would be disingenuous if I said I know what you're going through. I don't. We each struggle with our different things, but I can tell you this that God is intimately invested in this time with you. And just like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they went through their fiery furnace, there's one that appeared like unto the Son of Man. And in your life, when you're going through those trials, Jesus is so ever-present. In the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are those who mourn and suffer, for they will be comforted. It's a promise that God gives us that through this, for one, he will make himself known to you. You have an opportunity to be close to the God that we say that we serve. Two, like I said, he's promised that he will use these things and however he does it in his divine, sovereign way, turn that situation into good. I don't understand it, but that's what he says. And we don't serve a God that doesn't understand what we're going through. We get such a sense of his heart in the story of Lazarus. Jesus is going up to the tomb of Lazarus, knowing he is about to raise him from the dead. Mary and Martha come running to him, wrap their arms around him, they're weeping. And we get the shortest verse recorded in Scripture, John eleven thirty five, 35, that simply says, Jesus wept. We have, within that verse, the God of the universe who has created all things brokenhearted overseeing what sin has done in the suffering that each of us go through. He's intimately invested with us. He's empathetic to our sufferings. It even says in Hebrews that he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. He was a man acquainted with griefs, and he came to bind the brokenhearted. We can trust this God that we serve today. We can give everything to him. But let me ask this question. How many of you guys... With the weight of what you've been asked to endure, feel like you're being crushed by this cross you've been asked to bear. That you feel like you can't take another step or it's going to just break you down. Well, let me say this. That even Jesus, after being whipped, beaten, back ripped open, crown of thorns placed upon his head, spitting, mockings, beatings. He even collapsed under the weight of his own cross. But there was a man that we simply know by the name of Simon, Simon the Serene, who was there and available. The Romans issued him to come up under Christ and to help him bear the weight of that cross. And my prayer tonight, or to this morning, is that each one of us, that we would have eyes to see and available to God, to see those in our body that are hurting, that are going through immense pain. And have the heart to come up under that cross. Yes, we'll get bloody too. But to help them support themselves. I pray that you guys, if you're going through those things, find somebody to talk to. Come talk to me. Talk to anyone. We, if, if you don't feel like you've locked in with anybody, man, we've got community groups coming up in January. Get involved in those. Don't run. Understand what God is doing through these different trials that we're going through. I'm going to leave you all with two verses tonight. Um, One is the verse that we started with, and uh, I'm going to end with that. But the first verse I want to mention is Romans 8.18. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He's not downplaying what we're going through in this verse. If you want to know what Paul went through in his sufferings, Read 2 Corinthians 11. He gives his resume of the things that he went through. He went through some tough stuff. So he's not downplaying our suffering. What he's seeing is these things that were so horrific, these things that nearly destroyed me, these things that I can't even begin to imagine talking to you about. I consider that the weight of all that is not even worth comparing to what God is doing through us. And you can place yourself in that hand in the incredibly intense things that you've been asked to go through. And he's saying it's not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. God is using these things, guys. He's with us as we go through them. And he's changing us and making us into the very image of himself. And we can trust him. So finally I end with the same verse I started out with tonight. Philippians 1.29. For it has been granted, it has been allowed, it's been gifted, unto you church on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for him let's pray father thank you so much that lord you always shoot us straight lord that you always tell us the way things really are and not the things that we, not the ways that we want them to be i pray lord you've called the holy spirit the great comforter And Lord, I pray right now that the great comfort of the Holy Spirit would descend upon this room and bring healing to hearts that are going through suffering. It would bring encouragement to hearts that are going through suffering. And Lord, that it would burn the dross from our own hearts to where we are ready, willing, and able to come in and stand under that cross and help anyone in our body who's suffering. Father, fill us with your grace. Fill us with your peace. Continue to press us forward that we may be more like you. Lord, whatever it takes, may we be more like you. We lift up all those in our body that aren't with us today, Lord, that may be out of town. We pray for safe travels that they come back to us. Lord, for whatever reason, you've called us, me, you, all these people under this roof, to be a family and to do life together. And I pray that you unite our hearts in unity, just like you finished the Upper Room Discourse, Lord, saying that your prayer is that we be one as you and the Father are one. Lord, bind our hearts, heal our hearts, and speak to us. We love you so much. Thank you for today. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com Thank you.